Hello, uh, my name's Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio Nighttime Edition. Isn't that right, sweetie? You're yeah. already looking at your phone. Well, nighttime editions are late are night. Interesting, if you know what I'm talking about. That's well, not that late. Um, yeah, because usually we do this in the morning, and my job got in the way today. Yeah. Isn't that funny how work could kind of just cramp your style? Work can kind of fill up a whole day without even knowing it. That's right. Um, so uh, Zen Parenting Radio, this is episode number 196, maybe? That's sure close to 200. Maybe it's 197. I'm going to check. Sweetie, say something interesting. Um, something interesting. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Oldest um, joke in the book. What I was going to say was that 196 or 197. Yeah, this is 196. That's super close to 200, which means that we are going to be celebrating our 200th podcast. On November 4th. That's right. Really? November 4th. Cool. Yeah, I feel like that's an election day. Even including the conversations with people we love? Well, we don't give a number to that. We give a name. Got it. Got it. So okay. actually, we've done more than 200 if you include those, but our regular weekly podcast. So got anyways, it. Zen Parenting Radio 196. Zen Parenting Radio is a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom. And a logical and practical dad. We have three daughters, ages 7, 9, and 11. And our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you, sweetie. And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Yes. Got it? I do have that. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about our 200th podcast. We're going to talk about the book that you have coming up that's going to be available in probably less than a month. Yes. We're going to talk about it's SOS great. pads. You know, who knew? Who knew? What SOS pads could do. We are going to talk about my middle daughter who likes to dance in the house. Yes. And that's going to be the gist of our show. Okay. Um, but there are also two really good listeners' questions that I'm going to read. Um, so without further ado... You're just going to read them? Oh, I'm going to read them, and you are the parenting expert, and you are going to say, you're going to give good advice to these nice young ladies who asked us for some help. Okay. You got that? So I'm excited. This is going to be a really good show. This might be our best show ever. Mm, that's quite the statement. That's right. I don't mess around. Not on Monday night, late night podcast. Yeah, what about football? You're missing football. How much yeah, do you but care? it's the Redskins and the Seahawks. Oh, so nobody cares. Well, I think the Seahawks are going to kill the Redskins. I don't think it's going to be much of a game. Those Redskins. Uh, actually, we're not supposed to say that. No, we're not. Because oh, that's what I was just going to say. Is that what are what is that team going to be called now? I don't know, but I am a fan of not calling them. We're going to call them the football team from Washington D.C. Yeah, I kind of feel like why fight that? Because obviously. People are offended and have been for a long time. But you're taking away these football fans' traditions, sweetie. And that's the thing is when we're balance, when we're on, you know, deciding who we should focus our attention on, is it people who are like, oh, but I like it this way, or is it people who say, wow? Because from what I've learned, I've learned a lot more, especially from that Daily Show mm -hmm. clip about um, the Redskins. What Redskin actually means yeah. is. Very negative. Yeah, it's not like the Seminoles are a tribe. The yeah. Sioux were a tribe. Right. The Redskins was is a term a that, bounty. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so. Um, and it, so it's kind of one of those things where I know it's a bummer. Like for you, Redskins fans, I'm not saying that that it won't be there will be a grieving process. But and, is it oh, really worth upsetting an entire nation of Native culture. Americans? Yeah. yeah, I just think as uh, as a country, we need to say, hey, mm -hmm. listen, let's let's do what's in the best interest of. Of all. That's right. Um, so here we go. Um, so we have our 200th podcast. We're going to try to clip together some special 
parts of our first 200 episodes. Yeah, we're going to do – it's going to be a, uh, a greatest hits show. Yeah. You know what we should do is kind of like <laughs> – that's not cool. It's not snoozy. No, it's not. It's more like it's not, yeah. That. Remember on all the sitcoms. We're not gonna cry. No, remember on the sitcoms when they would be like, they'll say something. They'll be like, "Well, that was like on your thirtieth birthday," and then, they, and then they'll do the flashback. We're not gonna do that. No. So I don't know how much uh, that's um, an overwhelming project. So if there's anybody that wants to splice together. The best parts of our previous 199 shows and send it to me. We're not going to do that. We're just going to pick some of our favorite clips, I think. I, I want to put some clips um, from the show that we did about the Pink Floyd song, Mother. That was one of my favorites. Yeah, that was a good one. That's a good I one. I got clips, lots of clips. Lots of clips. Um, so, And then you have a book coming out, don't I you, do. sweetie? And I'll tell you the name of the book. I do, I do. Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn, The Power of Self-Aware Parenting. Bam. That's it. Um, well, what's your book about? My book is about like the title says, living what you want your kids to learn. Our children do not learn by us talking to them and lecturing at them and instilling fear in them. They learn by watching how we live our lives. And so this book the focus is on self-aware parenting and unconscious parenting, but the way that I write is I write in um, my chapters are very short. They're short stories or they're uh, an idea to contemplate, and it's how to incorporate consciousness and self-awareness into your everyday life in really typical situations. Um, it's not, a, you know, this kind of relating to our children is not about crisis situations. It's about everyday situations, going for a bike ride with your child, when your child is struggling to go into a birthday party, when um, bedtime is an issue, when you're having a hard time taking care of yourself, when you are talking to your kids about things that are, you know, things that are going on in school. These are like things we experience every day and we can bring consciousness and self-awareness to these issues, which I believe alleviates crisis later. Yeah, but sweetie, a lot of these parenting books are so dense and it's so hard to get through. What makes yours different? Well, I think what makes mine, mine different is that each chapter is very short. It's kind of like a bite size. It's, it, it allows you to get an idea in the simplest and um, most concise way. It's like those Nestle Crunch bars that you get from the grocery store. It's the fun size. The, it's the little nit, dibs, nibs. I forget what you call what are them. What you talking about? They're like the little... Oh, dibs. Is that those what they're called, dibs? that your mom used to have in so the freezer. So these are the dibs of parenting advice. Yes, and the, and it's not even parenting advice. Parenting stories. It's parenting... It's consciousness in every day, meaning how... You know, I obviously speak from my own experience, but also not just personally, but professionally, how we can incorporate self-awareness and consciousness into our daily experience. And therefore, it becomes part of our parenting experience. Because as we always talk about on the show, becoming conscious and becoming aware of who we are is not just for parenting. Mm -hmm. It's for ourselves. Right. If we focus just on, well, I'm just going to be conscious here with my kids, we're still not going to have The dots that are deeper, not connecting. Yeah, the dots are not connecting. We have to understand our ourselves first if we're going to have a better understanding of our children. So the thing, the feedback that I've gotten about my books historically is that they, it takes d difficult ideas that can sometimes be 
hard to grasp when written and it makes it simpler. Yeah. And this book is, is there's a lot in it. There's, there's a lot of little mm, stories. There's 75 different chapters wow. and different experiences. So it's about a 250 page book. How would one get their hands on one of the book, well, these books? Well, it's going to be obviously on my website, Kathy C. Adams. It will be on Amazon. When? Well, in the next month, I okay, think. So it's not available yet. No, it's not available yet, but Todd and I will be, don't worry, everybody. You'll hear You'll plenty hear about, about it. it. It's funny because my women's circle the other night, they were like, are you going to tell us when it comes out? I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, don't worry. I'm going to bring it. No sweat. Hello. So um, I'm going to move on from that. You okay with that, sweetie? Mm-hmm. Um, so our first partner is Dr. John Kelly, and he is actually doing a, an online interactive workshop for parents. And uh, the title of it is, How Is Your Child Sleeping? Assessing Your Child's Sleep Behavior and the Effects on Overall Development. It's on Thursday, October 23rd, starting at 8 o'clock Chicago time. And the host is a guy named Dr. Darius. I can't pronounce his last name, so I'm not going to butcher it. But he's a physician uh, at... Uh, Children's Memorial downtown. That would be Lurie's Children's Hospital of Chicago. Very good. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. Um, he's a doctor of sleep medicine, assistant professor of pediatrics at Northwestern, among other things. Um, a couple of bullet points from it is how to determine your child's total sleep need, common misconceptions about helping children get the sleep they need, want to suspect a sleeping disorder, among other things. So how to register for it will be in the show notes of this podcast. It's 15 bucks. You can actually expense it. You can deduct it because it goes to a nonprofit. So it's 15 bucks. You can't beat it. And you know what? If your child is having problems sleeping and you're, especially if you're noticing behavior that you may think may be coming from your uh, child's lack of sleep, I think you want to listen to this. And again, Todd, how will they find this information? By going to our show notes. Okay. So go, what does that mean? That means um, zenparentingradio.com slash 196. And then when you go, if you actually go to our homepage, uh, zenparentingradio.com, it will be the first podcast. You click on it and there's like a blog mm-hmm. and it'll have this information. It'll have the link to register for the workshop. So can I say something about this? Briefly. You're, can I? I can't dive into this. No, we're not diving. There's no diving. Okay. Can can I jump in? Can you I can, cannonball? You can put your foot in the water. Can I put my foot in the water? So anyway, I don't know. <laughs> carefully put my foot in the water. That was pretty good. That was good Thank that you. you had that ready to go. Um, yes. So I don't know if you guys know, but I write a column for Chicago Parent Magazine. And if you guys do not live in Chicago, um, it, Too bad for you. It, it, well, it's online. But for those of you who live in the Chicagoland area, anywhere from the city all the way out to DeKalb, I believe, um, there is a free uh, magazine called Chicago Parent. Um, award-winning magazine, but it it is free. And so you can get it at most places like YMCA's and toy stores and um, hospitals, et cetera. I write a column called The Self-Aware Parent, and um, I was I always pick up a copy at some point in the month to look at it. And right after, or I was kind of going through, and the, the first major article in this month's Chicago Parent is about exactly what we talk about when it comes to Dr. John Kelly. It's about sleep, having a child be sleep deprived due to their airway, mm-hmm. and which is a dental issue. Mm-hmm. 
and how a child, the article is actually about a child who had significant behavior problems and how everything was connected to the breathing and the airway and the sleep deprivation. Right. And I was like, oh my gosh, right. this is what we talk about with on- do- With Dr. Kelly. With Dr. Kelly. That's what he does mm-hmm. and what he specializes in and why Todd and I are doing the work we're doing with Cameron and JC and getting their teeth, uh, what's it called? Ortho- Orthotropics? Orthotropics instead of orthodontics is that the focus is on airway and making sure that their airway stays open and making sure that they stay in alignment and that their sleep is healthy. So it was just one of those like uh, synergistic moments right. where I was like, oh my gosh, right. this is what we talk about. So um, we will talk more about so that next week. We might talk week. about it next week, hopefully. Okay. Um, so we might get more in depth, but I just wanted to give a shout out for those of you who um, are in the Chicago area, pick up a Chicago parent because yeah. there's that article and my column and so many other great articles in this magazine. And write to the editor and say how awesome Kathy is as a columnist. Well, you don't have to do that. Well, you should. Well, that's nice of you, but that's not necessary. I would do it, but well, thanks. I'm too busy. You're too busy doing show notes. That's right. So, um, so who knew? SOS pads. Yes. This is like a selfish plug. Right? Well, it's kind of a plug, but it's kind of a shout out to my sister. That's what I mean. Oh, yeah. So um, Kathy's sister is an awesome marketing person and she works- She's an award-winning marketing person. She's an person. award-winning marketing person. And she just created this campaign that was has is affiliated with SOS Pads. Uh-huh, Clorox and SOS. And it's called Who Knew? So we are asking our customers to go out and buy SOS Pads. Well- Or I mean, not our customers, our listeners. This is, instead of, you can do that, but you could also go on YouTube- and look up who knew yeah, we'll SOS. Put it, we'll put it in our show notes. And look at the commercial they made mm-hmm. because I think they made a bunch. They made a bunch, but the one that I love is and first of all, the reason we're giving a shout out to my sister, she came up with the tagline "Who knew," and what it what it means is like who knew all the things that an SOS pad can do? Because all I ever thought about with SOS pads was cleaning a pot, right? And it does so much more than that. And like one of them, do you that, have a lot of pot laying around your house? <laughs> Did you say cleaning it, up pot? Not cleaning up pot as in marijuana. Oh. Cleaning up pots and pans. Oh, yes. I got it. Yes. Got it. Um, but one of the parts of the commercial, besides the, the fact that it cleans pots and pans, it cleans countertops, it cleans um, uh, it, uh, wheels. Wheels. Uh, the wheels, wheels on, on the bus, the bus go, go round and round. round. No, the, the white walls are the wheels. And the part that I loved was it cleans flip-flops. Right. Well, I saw cleats, like athletic cleats. And flip-flops because yeah. it, you're right, cleats, it takes the dirt off. kids... Feet who stink in well, our house. That's the thing is about flip flops. I'm sorry, but it's very difficult to get them clean. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The kids, their feet sweat in them, and and I've tried to rinse them. And then I saw that ad, and I was like, so I went out and bought a box, mm-hmm. partly for my sister, but partly because I'm like, dude, I want to clean some shoes with those. That's right. So who knew? Who knew? Thank you. So um, good job, Chris. So uh, I apologize for being so late as we dive into the main focus of this podcast. What, do, what are you apologizing for? Well, because we're 15 minutes in and we really haven't said a whole lot of dense content. Oh, okay. Then let's go. Um, so Cameron, our middle daughter, loves to dance uh-huh. in the house. Uh-huh. She's kind of a crazy girl, like in uh-huh. a good way. Uh-huh. And she's good at it. She's free and spirit. she's free and she loves it. And... Um, I have over the last few months, as I see her enjoy dancing is politely encourage her to, Hey, we'll t- whatever dance class you want, we'll get you in there, whether it's ballet or hip hop or blah, 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 blah. And she's like, no, I just like dancing at home. And as a parent who sometimes feel the need to over parent, I really nudged her in the direction of trying to 
take a class and she's holding firm. She's like, dad, I just like dancing at home. I don't really like dancing around other people. And my overparenting mind goes, well, the only way to get better at something is to be taught by somebody really good and blah, 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 blah. So now where do you come into that argument? Well, I am on Cameron's side. I think that you and I had this conversation two or three nights ago because you were kind of sharing your viewpoint on it and I was sharing mine. And and here's the, the thing. I don't necessarily think you're wrong. Like I'll give you an example would be that our youngest daughter two summers ago was dancing in the front yard and doing what looked to be like serious ballet moves. It, when I say serious, she's little. Yeah, but you could but tell But she was that. trying to be very like formed and she was trying to like stand on her toes. And I said to her, would you like to take a ballet class? And she said, absolutely. Right. She wanted to be in a class. And she was sick at the time. She, and she was like, yes. And she said, I want it to be a serious class. Right. Like she really, she knew what she wanted. Because she's seen some other classes that we've signed her up for. And it's, the, they don't take it that, it's not a dedicated ballet studio. And and sometimes it would be like a mix of a bunch of different things. And she wanted to just she be serious ballet. She wanted to take the real ballet. deal ballet class. So, so why that's important is that with my middle daughter, she, and it hasn't just been dance, it's been other things where I've said, hey, do you want to take a class? And so say, no, thank you. I just want to do this. And I totally feel like that's valid. Like she loves cooking and I try to push her into a cooking class. She's like, I don't want to take a- I don't want to take a cooking class. Like I'm always trying to get her to take a class. And I think the way that I look at it with, with Todd is why he's not wrong necessarily is because it's wonderful to ask the question. Basically what you're saying is, can I support you mm. in key, in making this something- it, can I support you in you learning more right. about this? And But I think their answer is just as valuable, meaning sometimes when you love something, when you get put into a class, sometimes your free-spiritedness or your enjoyment of it gets a little bit drained out of it right. because someone starts saying, no, mm-hmm. it needs to look this way. Right. No, that's not right. You need to be like this. That happens in art classes a lot. It happens defi- in anything. It happens in sports yeah. all the time. It definitely happens in dance. Unless, it, again, this isn't an absolute. It's a listen to your kid because, like I said, my youngest wants that. Yeah. She's like, show me how, teach me how. My middle child is like, I just want to like roll around right. and jump up. And she she gets such joy out of it. I don't know why we feel like we have to have her learn it in a disciplined manner. Right. And my devil's advocate, first of all, um, I'm kind of speaking who I was a few weeks ago. I've kind of come more to your side after our discussion and just really looking at Cameron and how she does all this. But the devil's advocate argument is the only way to get better at something, not the only, the, the, the quickest path to getting better at something is to be taught by experts. And for her to just dance around in, in our living room, she's not going to get better. Now, I know that you're like, well, that may not be, may not be true. Absolutely, it may not be A true. A lot of people self-teach themselves like piano and golf. And yeah. It drives me crazy because I've taken a million golf lessons and then I play golf with a buddy who plays scratch golf and I say, well, how did you learn all this? And they're like, I just went to the range all the time. That's right. So they never took it. Uh, they never took lessons. And I think the most important thing we have to recognize as parents, and this is the self-awareness piece, is why do we think our kid needs to learn from someone else? Yeah. And I think sometimes our thought is, well, if that's if they're going to get better, if they're going to you know, go to school, if they're going to do this in college, if they're going to um, make money doing this. And you know, not everything is about that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we just do things for the enjoyment of it. And and 
sometimes we are more focused on them becoming excelling at it because of our our thoughts or our belief system when it comes to hobbies is or or sports or whatever is we feel like our kid needs to be the best or have the opportunity to be the best and what are what do we what's our long-term plan there and if we have a long-term plan why are we creating that dream without involving our child right <laughs> i guess my point is is that if something like dance or movement is something that Cameron ends up continuously loving, she will find her way to the right teachers and the right people. And she will most likely, because we've extended the offer a number of times, say, hey, now this is something I'd like to do. Could you guys, Could I get into this class or could I learn from this person? But that may also never happen. Right. And that's okay too. All I can tell you guys is that when I was little, I used to dance in my room and sing in a microphone in front of my mirror all the time. And it didn't necessarily mean I was going to be a dancer or a singer. It was just the way that I released and moved and enjoyed being alone. It was the way I loved music. And if it would have been nowadays in this generation, a parent probably would have been, but you like to sing. Let me take you to singing lessons. Oh, but you like to dance. Let me get you in this dance school. And it's not always about that. Right. You know? Well, and um, two examples. One is who's the best ballet girl? That's what I was just looking up. So, so the thing, Todd and I have mentioned this girl a number of times because she's been well known now for four or five years. But one of the premier ballerinas, the best ballerinas anywhere right now, is the girl named Misty Copeland. And she is very young. I think she's in, she's in her early 20s. But she started dancing when she was 13. And that is unheard of these days. We have our kids who are two or three in peewee this or peewee that or early dance or, you know, we, we push our kids at such an early age and we're, we're saying that we need, we're trying to give them a leg up, which if they love it is not a problem. Right. If they're like, hey, I love this, but if it's a co-creation, great. But if we're like, well, you need to do this so you're better later, if a child has a natural affinity or talent they will find it. Right. And they don't need us to put them here or put them there. They need us to be open-minded to maybe, if they ask for it, potentially helping them find a class. But we force our own agenda right. on our kids. Well, and I, first of all, I agree with you. But second of all, that is such a hard thing to do because we as parents, loving parents, want to put them in the best position to succeed. And it is, for me personally, counterintuitive that if you want to be really good at something, you don't do it by yourself. Now, obviously, there are exceptions to that. So I agree with you, but it's easy for me to argue the other point just because of what we've already said, which is um, you it's hard to get really good at something unless you're being taught it. And if we can put them in a position through a good teacher or whatever to do that, it's just... But you're assuming that there is no such thing as natural talent, innate natural talent. Well, like I said, I'm agreeing with you, but it's very easy for me just to, if I wanted to make the other side of the argument, that's what I would say. Right. And I think that that I don't necessarily disagree with having teachers helps you learn. I I totally agree. But I think that there's something that needs to be kind of honored initially in our children, especially when they're young. And that is allowing them to breathe mm-hmm. and and enjoy and create and be imaginative about how they move or how they do sports or how they interact before we start imposing somebody else's way of doing it well, on them. The other big part of this puzzle, maybe you already said it as I was trying to look something up, but 
maybe they're not supposed to be quote, quote unquote good at this. Like, let's just say- That's what I'm trying to say. Maybe all they're supposed to do is enjoy it. Yet we are just saying- Well, that's exactly what I'm trying to say about me singing and dancing in front of my mirror. Right. That was just my release. Right. That was my enjoyment. That was my imagination. That was me playing with music and ideas. And in this generation, if I were born now and doing that, a parent would very likely say, well, if you're going to do this, you have to get into a class. Right. When really that was just my joy. Right. And I didn't need to get better at it because again, what we got to go deep about this. What are we really trying to do? Mm-hmm. We're trying to have our kid be the best at it. Right. So maybe, and again, this may be a more extreme, but so they can be famous. Right. And so we can have this great story. And maybe that's not how everybody feels, but I'm saying we got to really dig deep and be like, why are we putting our kids in classes if they ask for it or if we offer it and they want it? Mm -hmm. But if they're just enjoying it, like sometimes kids like to kick the soccer ball around and it doesn't mean they want to be on the major team. Mm -hmm. Maybe later, I actually just one of my girlfriends just recently told me her son just started high school and he played soccer when he was four or five and then stopped. But he's always enjoyed it like with his friends. He decided to try out for the team in high school. He hasn't played on a team in how many years? Seven, eight years. And he made the team. How about that? My point is, is that sometimes we, another girlfriend of mine, this was about three years ago, her daughter was in dance and she was one of those girls where the teacher actually said, oh, she's got a natural talent, blah, blah, blah. And the girl wanted to stop. And this mom was struggling because she's like, well, she's got this natural talent. But the mom made a great choice and said, I'm going to let her do what she needs to do. She was so young at the time. She was seven or eight. Well, this girl is now 11 or 12 and she's ready. Right to learn. She's like, okay, I kind of did a bunch of things and now I'd really like to be in a class. But if her mom had pushed her and forced her, guess what would have happened? She would have resisted. She not only resisted, she may have ended up hating dance because the whole process of dance may have gotten lost in the teaching. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is there's... I hope you guys are hearing that I'm giving both sides is it's not that teaching is bad, but the innate talent and the imagination and the creativity on our own is just as valuable. Right. And we have to find that balance. And like this Misty Copeland woman who is so such a gorgeous dancer and such a gorgeous woman, she, again, at 13. Right. And so think about all that time she had to develop her own way. Well, I have even a better example. Oh, let's hear it. Uh, Kristen Wiig. And Fred Armisen. Perfect examples. They are Saturday Night Alumni. and Saturday Night Live Alumni. Saturday Night Live Alumni. And they both started um, chasing their dream of being comedians or stand-ups or whatever it is when they were like 18 or 19. Yeah. Like Kristen Wiig didn't do improv till she was like 19 or 20 years old. Right. So uh, to your point, you made it earlier, sometimes it might take them a while to realize what this thing is. And just because they start late doesn't mean that they can't end up on top. And, you know, these two are hilarious. Absolutely. And we have to remember the way that a brain develops. To help a child read, you know what's helpful? When they crawl, Mm -hmm. that's helpful to their reading. Mm -hmm. When they look at pictures and they understand pictures and meaning, when they talk about things, that helps their reading skills. And we would say, well, how does that help reading? Well, that's developing areas of the brain that will contribute to their reading. I bring that up because it's the same thing with any kind of skill set. Sometimes we need to do a lot of different things. Like that Kristen Wiig interview on NPR, I also listened to it. And she was so glad she had had so many experiences because that allowed her to do improv. If she hadn't had experience in retail and if she hadn't had experience as a serious student, she was also an artist Mm -hmm. and she was also into advertising. 
all of those things allowed her to become what she is. But when we solely focus on you have dance skills, focus on dance, just go to dance class, they miss out on all those other opportunities to just kind of enjoy and appreciate for the sake of it. Do you want to hear some um, improv by Garth and Cat? I love Garth and Cat. Who are Garth and Cat? Garth and Cat are characters. It's actually Fred Armisen and Kristen Wiig on Saturday Night Live. Um, and they would just come on uh, weekend update with Seth Meyers, and they would act as if they had been like really practicing this this song right. that they're going to perform, but really they were totally improving yeah. it. One would lead, and the other one would try and follow. That's great. I'm really glad to hear you're prepared this time. Are we ever? <laughs> so prepared. Yeah. And we are really excited to sing for and near you. And the first one's called Mom. Uh huh. You're the bomb. <laughs> that sounds great. Let's hear it. You ready? Yep. We just count. Off. We can just start. We'll start whenever you want. And you, and you taught me how to read. And you taught me how to read. But you forgot one word. One word. One word. Two words. One word. Can you chant? Can you chant? Why can you tell me? Can you chant? Okay, I'm sorry. I gotta, I gotta stop you. I um. Okay, I'll put that on the show notes. So it's usually Fred Armisen who starts, and Kristen Wiig's trying to follow whatever yeah, he's doing. Right, and it's one of my favorite. Um, and I don't know if it comes through just with the audio, <laughs> but to watch these two because I have the computer screen in front of me. It's well, because they're good. cracking up while they're doing it I know, too. I know. It's like it's excellent. So point being is that if your child seems to like play baseball in the backyard and enjoy it and they're like no i just don't really want to be on a team right now give them a space to well and i want to pat myself on the back here because if nothing else that's what this show is about patting yourself on the back yeah i I just made that up. okay we're gonna do a patting back sound i don't have that um jc the viola viola sweetie it's called the viola (laughs) it's not called the how many times have we instructed her to practice it never and how long has she been doing it for since fourth grade. So does that mean she does it every night? No. No, she doesn't. So, but it's just weird. We totally kind of just decided to do the hands-off approach and not say, hey, the teacher wants you to practice for 10 minutes a night. We no, just kind of let do her that. do it. And she loves I'll be darned, that girl just does it with, <laughs> she does it because she likes doing it. Well, she's got this like, and, and here's what we also have to trust. And she's not like she's ultra, ultra gifted. I mean, she's good and she's she, good. and she might become great, but it's not like we have some prodigy. She's like an above average viola player, but she, you loves know what? It. I don't even know how to compare her. All I know is she loves it yeah. and she will say, I love viola. And part of it is because we've never gotten involved. Right. Like she chose it on her own. We had nothing, she, to, do with we had nothing to do with it. She would bring it home. She'd practice. Um, you know, sometimes she would, sometimes she wouldn't. And actually the first time she had to turn in a practice card, she only had a certain number of minutes Mm -hmm. and I, you know, and I signed off on it and I said, how many you're supposed to have? She's like, I think double of this. And when she brought it in and she and her teacher had to talk about it, she was motivated by on her own and with the teacher without us us saying anything. Like I was kind of like, well, it's your instrument. Mm -hmm. Now what's interesting about it is I think that it wasn't a decision Todd and I made to, to not say anything not to be to be hands we just didn't do anything about it because and and here's the thing our children have an internal drive that's natural and we don't trust it we think that unless we 
are on their every move, that they won't do things. And a lot of times we have to back up and sometimes they won't and they will learn from that experience what that looks like. But I just had a friend um, who just recently told me her son had been playing an instrument for a long time and she had really been on him about practicing and it was their constant argument and you know he basically could not stand this instrument. And she just recently decided to say, if you're done, I will let go. And he was so grateful. He was so thankful because that had been taking up so much of his time and energy and he didn't enjoy it. And now what's, what's interesting is, you know, now her first comment to me about it was, well, that was all for nothing. That's not true. Not only did you learn something about how to interact with your child, meaning, you know, you understood that the way you were doing and, and telling him to do it wasn't working. You also, he also learned how to read music. He also learned that there may be another instrument that he may want to pick up or he may go in a different direction and write music. Who knows? But it wasn't all for nothing. It was an experience. And that's the trickiest part about this because really, I mean, I don't know if it's the right right term to use, but it's allow. We have to allow our kids to show us who they're here supposed to be. And sometimes the word allow gets a bad rap. Like that means permissiveness. Or passive. Or passive. Or that we don't care. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the trickiest part about what we talk about on this podcast because it doesn't mean you throw your hands up and don't guide them at all, but it's a matter of finding where where we fit into that. You offer support, but you cannot force anybody to do anything. And well, if you choose, a lot of parents say that's not true because I do and they do it. Well, but it comes with a with a price. with a price. Right. Is if you force them and you are the driving force that makes them do things, they're not learning to do it on their own, and they are not connecting to their own inner compass. They are fo- they are focusing on external pleasing you. They're doing it to please you. They're doing it because they're afraid of you. They're doing it because of what you expect. And you have to remember that kind of external pressure, that doesn't serve them as they get older mm-hmm. or it, they'll then start looking for other people to force them or ask them to do something right. or or it goes the other way where they start to try and figure out how to get away with things without letting you know yeah. or they cheat and, and they want to not let you know that they cheat. Like our, It becomes about the ends and not and the not means. means. That's the best way to say it. Our hope is that we kind of help our child find that place inside where they are internally motivated, internally um, they feel a sense of ownership without having to be forced. Mm -hmm. And there are times like there are expectations and structure. You know, it's hard if you're just, this is the first show you've ever heard because then you don't know all the things that Todd and I talk about with setting up boundaries. For example, my kids come home, their homework works. You're expected to do your homework. When you know, you get home. when you get home, do it, get it done and move on. Right. Um, you know, we have some some structure in place because they have to play the game of school, which is this is personal responsibility. This is what is expected of you. And there are times when they've forgotten certain homework at school. And I'm like, OK, you have to deal with the consequences of right. that. So there's a but as far as things like external or um, excuse me, extracurricular activities or instruments or other things why do we push them so hard? Do we think not every kid is going to go play in the symphony orchestra? Mm -hmm. Not every kid is going to go play for the NBA. So really those activities are to kind of help them find something they love in the meantime. And if they don't love it, then why are we pushing them to do it? True that. You know, those are, so again, this is more self-awareness than about your kid. You have to dig deep and figure out what is your motivation. You know, like for example, 
uh, one other story is I was talking to um, a mom. She's from a different community than than I live in, and she, her she her kid was in hockey. And she was able to say – he kind of wanted to quit hockey. He was getting to a point where it was so overwhelming and all the travel was overwhelming. And she recognized that she was sad about him quitting because she loved the socialization. Right. She loved being with the other parents. She loved the idea of having events every weekend. And that was great self-awareness and that was very honest. Right. It wasn't about her kid. It was about her. And if you can own that kind of thing, then some of these arguments and these these – uh, this pressure we put on our kids can dissipate. All right. Our second partner is Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Um, their number is 630-941-8733. Our family gets adjusted by Dr. Kelly every week. And their uh, website is chirotree.com. So check them out. And then uh, I can't forget to promote our um, Replace the Race event, which is tomorrow, Wednesday. Well, no. Oh, Wednesday. That's right. October 8th. That's right. So uh, that is on our show notes. Um, It's kind of a spinoff to the um, Race to Nowhere event that we did a few weeks ago. But it's it's more more discussion-based. So so now I want to get to a question from one of our listeners. And, sweetie, you have not heard this question yet. Mm -mm. Are you ready, Freddie? I guess. All right. Um, Hi, Kathy and Todd, blah, 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 blah. My husband works at home and he's completely miserable. And I've told him recently that his happiness is more important. Told him recently that his happiness is more important than any check he might earn. So basically, it sounds like he's working too hard. Uh, I don't know why he continues on a path that only leads to misery. They have an eight year old son. He's an only child. And his behavior will move to the negative when he can't get one of us to spend time playing with him. He and my husband bicker every day about something and it drives me crazy. No matter how small the issue, they will fight. I've tried to make time for him, even if I have a lot to do and I've seen good results. When my husband is upset, everyone is a target. I want to help him, but it's hard when I'm made to feel like I'm doing nothing right. I can't even explain all that goes on at home, but the end result seems to be everyone is against my husband and no one works with him, especially my son and myself. It's kind of a interesting question. Hmm. And I kind of summarize it. So I don't know if I left out really important points, but did you get the gist? Yeah. Um, any advice you can give me? I've learned so much, blah, 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 blah. So well, sounds like the the father's a, a workaholic and he gets grumpy around the kid and his wife. Well, and I kind of picked up on not just that he's a workaholic, but that he doesn't like what he does because mm-hmm. it sounds like he's not happy doing the work he's doing. Any joy he had from his work has been taken away by clients and contractors who always want more yet won't pay for more. So it sounds like he's burnt out. Yeah, it sounds like he's burnt out. And here's the the truth is that um, this woman, whoever wrote to us, it she can't change what's going on with her husband. Right. What she can do is focus on herself and even let him know that I'm going to, not in a threatening way, that's not like, well, listen, here's what I'm going to do. It's not that kind of thing. It's letting him know that she's going to make herself a priority and take care of herself so she has energy to be with her husband, Mm -hmm. so she has energy to be with her son. Because really, the this is, you know, we were talking about my book, the only way we teach is by the way we live our own lives. And when our focus becomes solely on making somebody else feel better, we're always going to fall short. Because it's something that we don't really have control over. We don't. And what we do have control over is the way we feel and the way that we – and again, I know that when when I – 
because um, I hear these stories quite a bit where they'll say, but this person lives in my home and they're such a drain. And I totally hear that. And with that said, there needs to be conversations where these things are spoken openly and in a um, in a calm manner, not in an argumentative. Let's you know, let's really. So maybe go out on a date. Yes. Like you know, try to uh, invest. Put uh, invest. W- make some deposits into the relationship by going out on a date. Instead of at the end of a long day, he gets home from work. Then you have the conversation. That's not really the yeah, best time. Yeah, because obviously he's wiped, and that's not a good time for him to be able to hear. His his patience, his cup is full. His patience is low. He can't hear anything. And so it's not even just making deposit. It, it is making deposits in the relationship. But the way I look at it is making the relationship a priority. Right. Saying that yeah, you're busy. I'm busy. You know, obviously our son wants to spend time with us. But before we can resolve any of this, you and I have to communicate, and we have to communicate in a respectful, loving way because arguments are not going to solve this. So what happens when he starts arguing with her? You mean when they if they go out on a dinner date? Whether it's at home or on a dinner date. Well, I mean, it's the same as we are any relationship. Again, all the things we talk about are universal principles. We got to bring calm to it. Like if we engage... Right. Well, well that's what I was going to say. Instead, um, say, I can't talk through this with you if you are going to respond in an angry or frustrated way. So maybe we should do this another time. And the way to turn that around where you can focus on you is when you speak that way, it's very difficult for me Mm -hmm. to communicate. So if you feel that you can't talk to me right now without yelling, I I'm going to have, I can't continue this conversation. And it's what you said, but it's I language versus you, you, yeah, you, yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, right. Because a lot of times when we do the you're, something's wrong with you, you're they yelling feel attacked. at me, that people feel defensive. Yeah. That gets the ego, you know, all riled up. So we have to take responsibility for the way we feel. And, you know, so the two parts to it is number one, um, take care of yourself, make yourself a priority. You don't need something that women tend to do is they kind of want to bring everybody else along with them. Right. Like, Oh, I'm doing this. My kid's going to do it. My husband's going to do it with me. Focus on you. Right. Don't get everybody on the same page. Get you on the same page. And then if they ask for your support, then the door is open. Right. Then you can start talking to them about the things you're doing. You got to walk it first. And then at the same time, when it comes to your marriage and your communication in regards to your son, make that conversation a priority outside of the house, not at a negative time, and maybe make it a weekly thing. Yeah. Because you'll say, well, we're already we're already so busy and my kid is already not getting enough of us. But if you invest one or two hours a week, your kid will then get the best of yeah, you. He's getting the benefits. So it, it, we've got to kind of play, we've got to have a paradigm shift. Yeah. Um, so. Very good. Now, I usually would say we're run out of time, but I really think that this question is worth getting to. Last okay. week, we talked about timeouts. Okay. So Michelle, who gave me permission to use her name, said that the timeouts podcast was super interesting, but this is a little bit of a special circumstance. She has a three-year-old who has a sensory disorder. Mm-hmm. He's very self-aware, but is also learning how to regulate his big emotions. We have tantrums a lot when it comes to transitions. When my son is seeing red, timeouts have really worked well for him. He seems... He sometimes goes to his room for about five minutes and really flips out, then comes out a new person. We talk through his feelings, and I tell him he can come out when he is ready to be kind, be safe, and be ready. I guess my reason for writing is 
I don't want it to I don't want to do damage to my son or make him feel alone in a timeout, but it does seem to really help him recenter himself in a way that nothing else does. What do you think? Well, this is interesting because it's all it what's interesting is what she's doing is working. Right. And what we're focusing on is words and intention. Because she's saying, But I give him a timeout, he goes to his room and he regulates and I'm doing something wrong. Actually, it's just words, meaning when he is feeling out of whack and you say, why don't you go take some space? That's not a time That's out. That's not a time out. But if you say, you're being too grumpy, go to your room, you're in a time out. The exact same thing is happening, but how you say it is different, and what, which means that it is different. It is different. And it's about your intention. Are you sending him to his room because you can't tolerate him anymore and because you think he's doing something wrong and you think that he needs to stop having his feelings? Or are you giving him the tools that he needs? Exactly. Because he may be saying to you, which it sounds like he is through your interactions, being alone is how I regulate. Yeah. So instead of go have a time out, it's honey, why don't you go take some space? Yeah. Just change your words if you feel like the words time out are going to carry an energy that you don't like I anymore. think Michelle's doing an outstanding job. Yeah, I really... I think that's so important is sometimes we get focused on the words... Or the how-tos. Or the how-tos rather than the intention. And what Todd and I were talking about with the timeouts is when they've become a punitive thing, like you're acting angry, go sit in a corner. What you're doing, Michelle, is you're saying, hey, your behavior is getting a little out of control. Why don't you go take some space? He utilizes that space. He calms down. He comes back to you. You guys talk it through. That to me is called healthy discussion. You know what? Actually what it's called? Zen zen parenting. (laughs) And regulation. You're teaching him how to take space and regulate. Um, Our last partner is Avid Company, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Their number is 630-956-1800 and it's avidco.net. All right. Anything you want to promote before we bail? I think we promoted at the beginning. Um... My men's group, shoot me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com if you're interested in being a part of a monthly men's group. And I'll see if I can remember our mission statement. Our mission statement is redefining the current concept of masculinity by creating a challenging and supportive environment to empower and strengthen our authentic selves. Wow, that's a long mission statement. I think that's it. Empower and strengthen, something like that. So anyways, I should have that much memorized a little bit better than I do. That's, but that's all right. right. I think they got the gist. Um, and I don't know, anything else you want to promote? I think we're good, hon. All right. So um, I'm going to play um, a dancing song because we talked about Cameron dancing. Uh-huh. Should I play Leanne Rhymes? Leanne Rhymes. Isn't that who it is? Who's the lady that does the... Uh, uh, oh, no, Leanne Womack. <laughs> I was going to say Leanne Rhymes. Well, Leanne Womack is also a country singer. Yeah, play I Hope You Dance. And I will say this as our closing thought as Todd puts on this song. If your children... Well, I, it's kind of loud. Turn it down for a second. If your children are enjoying something in the comfort of their home and they're not interested in instruction yet, just let them enjoy Life is about enjoyment. It's not about being the best, competing, and learning from other people all the time. Sometimes it's about listening to your own creative spirit. So allow for that, especially when they're little. And that's it. That was pretty good, sweetie. You want to know what my mantra is? What? It's this one right here. The Hooters. So my words of wisdom, as I look at the Hooters video, which is kind of brutal... 
80s, baby. This was my freshman year in high school. This, this is, is old. This is my eighth grade in eighth grade. Bebop baby. Um, my words of wisdom are just like yours. Keep, Let's hear it. Keep trucking. <laughs> right, adios.